So, Paul, last night I had a dream that I fell through an ice cream cone made of grass and mm-hmm. turned into a baby. <laughs> Not the time! Uh, I don't get it. podcast about performance in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. And I'm Paul. And we are happy to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Yes. Yes, we are. Uh, We just saw a play nearly an hour ago, Fonda. This is the hottest take we can possibly offer. Super hot take. Like, I feel warm. Great. I feel warm. Yeah, me too. We saw uh, the Citadel Theater's production of The Humans, which was a co-production with Canadian Stage. Mm-hmm. Like, really hot off the new year. It, it started previews on January 6th. Yeah. So they've been ready. I question their <laughs> schedule. Um, <laughs> they did not get a good, satisfying Christmas break. Uh, but uh, The Humans is a, is a real-time play. It is uh, 90 minutes of real time, so there are no edits. And uh, it it deals with a, a family in New York, uh, plus a boyfriend. Um, a family, uh, the one of the daughters, one of the two daughters, uh, is hosting uh, with her her boyfriend uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving dinner, and we all know how family dinner parties tend to go on the stage. Yeah, that's become like a, a genre unto itself. The sort of like great dinner play um, where we're there's some sort of family. You know, pressure cooker situation uh, situated around uh, around the meals we yeah. all share. Yeah, and this the humans was quite uh, quite an acclaimed play. It was very successful in the states. It won the Tony Award for best play that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, was nominated for a Pulitzer, and uh, didn't get that though. Yeah, I, I thought it was an odd play. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say bad, but it was a be- the real time convention um, was was interesting, but also maybe. Um, a limiting in in some ways, I found, uh, because it, it was trying to play out. Uh, I feel like it was really trying to capture uh, authenticity. It was really trying to have that sort of naturalistic. This is what a sort of tense family dinner would be like with with these sorts of factors in play. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't go overly theatrical. There aren't any moments of you know um, horrifying revelations of long unearthed secrets finally coming out. Uh, there are secrets that come out. There are, there mm-hmm. are moments of tension and disquiet and an argument um but it doesn't it doesn't sort of reach for those like august osage county levels of, of family <laughs> dinner malarkey of like actual like screaming hair pulling you know mm-hmm. um a total total breakdown although so in this family the characters in the play there's two parents who come to visit one of their daughters mm-hmm. who's just moved in with her boyfriend mm-hmm. so there's those four plus um, Grandma, who Mom and Dad have brought along, who um, Momo, they Momo. call her. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic performance by Marilyn Ryan yeah. in that role. Um, and uh, also the other sister, the mm-hmm. I think the older sister. Yeah, but who's who's uh, who's a lawyer um, and who's sort of uh, sitting in the in the wake of a breakup that that really stinks. Yeah. It's still hurting. Yeah, one of the moments in the play um, that I, I was was really excruciating was um, where the one sister so you know she's just come off a breakup and we all kind of know the if a long-term relationship uh breaks up uh, your first sort of special occasion with family mm. afterwards can be really i don't know different yeah um and so there's a I, again i will use the word excruciating phone call um that she makes uh to her ex oh, and it was, is oh that was my favorite part it was so hard to watch uh, in like the best possible way it was just like oh no don't you 
don't do that call. Yeah. Don't keep talking. No, no, keep don't. Oh, just, yeah, it's going. Just just say goodbye. Just say goodbye. Just say say I miss you and goodbye. Go. Uh, because uh, also, uh, so a two-story layout for this play, it's sort of like a, a cutaway of this two-story house. So we can sort of see where everyone is all the time, uh, except if they're in the bathroom, the door's closed. They're reasonable. Um, mm. But uh, she doesn't realize her father is in the same room, uh, sort of listening and sort of watching his his daughter go through this heartbreaking conversation. Uh, mm. Great, that was that was my favorite my favorite moment. Yeah, I mean the dad in in that in that part of the show sort of has this kind of like lurking role where he's he's sort of like the through line I think mm. that where that comes through. To all of the characters, you know, he has it seems that all of the characters are kind of like eventually like laying up their accept like what they um, how they feel about themselves in terms of his acceptance. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, like the one daughter um, is a music teacher or or um, she's studying music studying and, music. and struggling in her career. Other daughter also struggling in her career. But mm-hmm. relationship the after that phone call, beautiful moment between. Uh, daughter and father when mm-hmm. he's trying to console her after seeing this phone call. Right. Um, that was that was great. Um, nice, ni- like real, real. Uh, like there wasn't even a lot of dialogue. It was just a real moment between the two of them. Um, and then, uh, and then, of course, uh, the Momo is his mother, mm-hmm. um, and who is suffering from dementia. Yeah, and so she has these sort of um, timely or untimely moments of um, outburst, uh, saying things that that, of course, don't really match the dialogue in the scene, but do have some meaning. Um, when it comes around in the end. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. And so so in some ways I think the real-time function of this play in that it's it's 90 or 100 minutes of sort of um, without any edits, we're just seeing this this sort of night change and erupt and, and things come out uh, was uh, effective in sort of its naturalism and that we got these sort of like beautiful moments of, of that phone call uh, and some of the moments with uh, Momo, there's sort of a family prayer that happens as well that's a really beautiful moment. Uh, but then there's also, because it's sort of naturalistic, some of the bigger revelations um, – as would happen in a real family gathering, mm-hmm. sort of come out late or, you know, not well-timed uh, and then are sort of left to linger in, in a way that, that wasn't as satisfying as if they were a little more theatrically constructed, I guess would be what I'd say. Yeah. I think I think to a point, though, that did happen in some ways. They had some tricks that happened during the show, right? Sure. Like there was the um, an instance of, you know, uh, something falling off a counter when no one was in the room. Right. And of course, we can see it mm-hmm. and it causes something else. To ha- it causes the next pl- action in the play to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, when, when something weird would happen or someone would say something, you know, um, a light would go out, like a light right. would burn okay. out, right? Sure. There were there were those sorts of, there were some of those moments of, of mm-hmm. that happening. Yeah. But it was uh, all of the, I mean, the sound design was pretty interesting uh, because all of the external sounds were completely unrelated to the scene. Right. They would just actually almost punctuate sometimes right, it's, or they would diffuse yeah the loud neighbor upstairs the laundry room kicking in the, the garbage compactor yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so so maybe my maybe my my issue is more this i feel like in in sort of the naturalism of it um uh it wasn't uh it almost didn't go far enough in sort of in being natural uh it was natural it felt natural mm-hmm. um but there were these moments where it was like okay oh that's that's the revelation huh Okay, that's that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay, that's how we're dealing with it. Like reasonable people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I mean, fine. I mean, I think that we're you made a really good point as we were just sort of heading into the podcast mm-hmm. studio here about how um you know the moment is so immediate that the shock of it 
um, it just kind of dissipates. Everyone just sort of leaves. There's no right. really big um, blow up or outburst. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Momo does have an outburst, right? Um, and it's and it's traumatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it doesn't quite it doesn't quite give the payoff of you know like that good uh, like say August Osage County or the Tennessee Williams like mm-hmm. outburst at the end. You know? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> this was sort of like the Tennessee Williams play before a Tennessee Williams play. It's sort of like the the prequel to any Tennessee Williams play of like right. Right. Uh, these are uh, all these sort of seeds have been planted for like uh, a more tense, sort of more fractured family gathering down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe, maybe that's the point. Is sort of like you know the humans has us sort of like uh, going along, and we're we're struggling in the dark. As sort of near the end of the play, someone actually is sort of in the dark, trying to find their way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with all this um, these these the sadness and and life uh, going on with them. Uh, and I will give it. I will give it credit for being a play that uh, a lot of the dialogue and, and arguments were sort of very generational. It was like the yeah. mom and pop generation versus uh, the younger generation. But it did not once use the word millennial, yeah. which I was thankful for. <laughs> uh, Although there were jokes, or there were not a joke, but there was this kind of like interesting discussion of a scene where. The father is driving around a New York neighborhood trying to, like, help his daughter get to a job interview or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and it doesn't go very well. And he really um, – because he doesn't have a cell phone. Right. Uh, and it's just this – they talk all the time about how he's coming in from Scranton, going to the big city, and he's just, like – he's just obviously uncomfortable there. Mm-hmm. And it's um, – and, it, and, it, and, you know, he has this – he has this – shame that is sort of hanging over him mm-hmm. um there's there's a real difference between the depression that he is stuck in mm-hmm. and the depression that his kids are stuck in yeah there's this really interesting discussion where they're talking about um the boyfriend is talking about his own sort of struggles with mental health and dad is chiming in about how you know like in my generation you know we uh, we, we fixed this yeah, yeah yeah and it's like no you just didn't talk about it and someone has like a zinger about you know you just have like sad stoicism or a line somewhat like that mm-hmm. um, and it's like right it's this interesting divide on how we um, how generations sort of coped with their problems mm-hmm. um, in, in very different ways one is very open one is very uh, sheltered and the play doesn't really take anyone's side no no there's no sides taken um, in fact I like I don't know that you I don't know that I really came away liking any of the characters all that much, um, and I don't know that you you have to to appreciate sort of what they're what they're going through, what's happening. They are they are definitely really realistic people. Yeah. I liked uh, the lawyer daughter. I liked Amy Blake. She was yeah. she was so sad. I wanted her to find something. And good. she had like she had so much sorry shit happening to her. Yeah, <laughs> like, girl was going through some stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, and a, a performance by Alan. Holly in that role, like that was that was uh, great. Again, uh, phone call not to be forgotten. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. So an interesting play in the in the great scheme of of, of drama and the the family dinner play. An interesting one that uh, pulled some punches, um, kept very naturalistic, um, and and offered some some interesting insight uh, that maybe I wish would have gone deeper. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we also we saw it on a preview night, so they mm-hmm. are still running until. It's running until January 27th at the Citadel. Great. So, uh, you know, if that sounds like something uh, uh, worth your time. Check it out. Check it's it like, out. you know, a realistic dinner play about yeah. Thanksgiving and the American family. Totally. <laughs> and speaking of uh, realism, 
you know how podcasts get made, Fonda? They get made with support from advertisers like Alberta Women Entrepreneurs. They do. Uh, yeah. Alberta Women Entrepreneurs um, invites you to attend Learning Day on February 20th in Edmonton. This one-day conference features keynotes and workshops about human resources, operations, financing, marketing, technology, and mindset. You'll get tangible skills, information, and access to expert resources to help build your business. Plus, it's a great way to meet other entrepreneurs so you'll feel less alone in your journey. Uh, it's only $99 until January 19th, and podcast listeners get 10% off if you use the promo code podcast at checkout. So you can register at bit.ly slash AWE learning day. We're going to put the link on our website as well and a reminder about the discount code. Um, and you only get that until January 19th. So you better get on that quick. Totally. Fonda. What? So it's winter, <laughs> hypothetically. This segue is all hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's cold out. Uh, maybe uh, you don't want to go out. Uh, how can you still see uh, dance or uh, other sort of performance that you want to see? Well, um, so I, during the cold snap, I just basically searched on Netflix for dance to see what was happening Great. on there. <laughs> um, there uh, is... A great documentary out there called Dancer. It came out last year. This is about Sergei Polinin, um, the famed, and I'm using air quotes here, bad boy of uh, of ballet. Okay. Um, he rose. He shot to fame at in 2009 at the age of 19, being the youngest ever principal dancer in the Royal Ballet wow. um, in London. And it was. Um, it's essentially about him. Uh, Going from, you know, uh, growing up in Ukraine, poor, his family essentially separates, works overseas, sacrifices everything so that he can go to ballet school. He goes to ballet school, becomes a, an, a prodigy. This um, He's being hailed like, like you know, the next Nureyev, Barishnikov, like this guy is mm-hmm. amazing. Um Audiences may, if they don't know his name, may recognize him from the really great dance video, uh, Take Me to Church, by uh, Hosier's song. Is it Hosier or Hosier? I think it's Hosier. Okay. But is that because we're Canadian or... Possibly, possibly. <laughs> in any case, the um, the documentary follows him from like this young boy all the way to this moment of uh, making "Take Me to Church," the video, mm-hmm. which was um, directed by Dave Chappelle or La Chapelle. Okay. Some, yeah. Anyway, uh, great, great dance direction or great videography in this uh, video because it really allows you to see the whole body of this dancer, and he. It seemed like he was recording it as sort of like a farewell. He ended oh. up quitting the Royal Ballet after three years. This The documentary goes into all this, but it's kind of common knowledge. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, and ne- and then it kind of goes in through how he started like, you know, taking cocaine and he was drinking and partying and all this kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just, there's this one moment in it where he says, I always wished I would get injured. And it was really harsh to hear such a talented performer who's been so exalted at such a young age to just say, I want to give up. And it's kind of interesting that, you know, reaching the height of the Royal Ballet Mm -hmm. in London at 19 years old, um, one of his friends that they're interviewing during the documentary says, well, where else did he have to go? 
Right. Like once you've reached that pinnacle so young, like what are you aspiring towards? Yeah. And I mean, you know, is the art getting any better? Is, you know, like, I mean, he's in peak physical condition until mm-hmm. he kind of like starts destroying himself with, you know, substances and things mm-hmm. like that. So, but in any case, it was a really, I, I, I enjoyed watching it because you're watching him uh, grow as a dancer, but then also seeing just kind of like this, like this thing crumble away. Like the dream of dreams for any dancer is just not what he wanted. Right, right. And when you get there and you realize maybe this wasn't for you as terms of a sustainable life uh, dream or goal or ambition, you know, and you've put all this time and effort in your family is, you know. You sacrificed so much to get you there. That's yeah. uh, it's a hard place to be. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I I think that was probably the best thing that I saw on Netflix. Mm-hmm. That was the dance dance related. Cool. Um, How about if I didn't want to watch anything, Fonda? If I didn't want to use my eyes, but I still wanted to think about dance. Yeah, Alberta Ballet has their own podcast now. Wow. Yeah. Tracking up some competition over here. Cool. Yeah, so they're releasing a special season of podcasts this year. I th- they plan to do eight episodes. There's three out right now. Um, you can catch it on albertaballet.com on, on their podcast page. Uh, the first episode is um, really about the company getting back uh after summer, they're trying to get back into shape, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's kind of interesting to hear about how they sort of, you know, let their regimen slide a little bit over course, the summer. Yeah. And then get, summer vacation. Yeah. And they're, they're like, I only did Pilates like once every two days or something. You're like, cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's hosted by um, the dancer who we saw retire, uh, Nicole Caron. Oh, cool. So she's, uh, she's hosting it um, along with one of their stage managers who kind of brings an interesting um, technical perspective into some of the discussions they have. So the first episode was like getting back to the ballet. They go into a little bit about the the season photo shoot and the business of marketing ballet. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. They talked to their marketing team a bit. The second episode, um, they talked to a new company member who it's her first year in the ballet after graduating from the ballet school. Neat. Um, And then the episode three is um, they focus a little bit on Nicole Caron's retirement and the sort of career trajectory of a dancer. Right. Um, so, And they also talk about um, the uniqueness of the Nutcracker run. Uh, so when they tour to smaller venues and things like that, um, some of the dancers talking about um, you know, the challenges of mounting the Nutcracker in different spaces, what okay. different audiences are like, um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, if you want to learn more about the inner workings of Alberta Ballet, hear some of their voices and things, um, it's kind of a fun thing to check out. Um, the And they'll be releasing episodes all the way up until the end of the season, um, uh, closing out with um, something focusing on their... Uh, tragically hip ballet. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. So, Paul. Yes, um, Fonda. What uh, What sort of um, things do we have from the good folks at ATB this this time? Uh, we have uh, the following sort of messaging from, from ATB, um, which focuses on the no-fee all-in. ATB has a new digital bank account. The best part, they are basically no fees. There are basically no fees, as long as you're doing most of your banking digitally, which chances are you probably are if you're under the age of 30. <laughs> yeah, probably over than that. I'm I'm lowballing that a lot. I'd say 50. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of us do our banking digitally, so ATB has a, a way for you to do that. Uh, you also earn interest on higher balances. That's right. So think about that and check out more at atb.com. 
Cool. All right. Well, that's kind of all we've got for this episode. Next episode is going to be a big one because we're going to see a lot of stuff. January, everyone is doing a show. How did this happen? Like, when was the rehearsal time? I'm still recovering from New Year's. How was everyone's Christmas vacation <laughs> in the arts community? What did you What did you do? Did you just rehearse plays? Everyone is in great freaking shape and they know all their lines. Wow. <laughs> uh, amazing. Yeah. So there's lots to talk about next time. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so there's lots to see. You can go see Shaping Sound at Alberta Ballet. You can go mm-hmm. see Onyegin at the Citadel. Mm-hmm. You can go see... Uh, Kill Your Television is starting up with uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Coming up. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, it's Shakespeare's R&J. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's kind of cool. That one is uh, like a return from um, something that was mounted, I think, seven or eight years ago. Yeah, a while back. Yeah. And then there's one called The Sash Maker at Mile Zero Dance. Rebecca Sadowski is doing um, something like that. Yeah. And and we're going to try and see them all. We'll see if we actually do it. <laughs> we're wild. We're wild people who love seeing art all Woo! the time. Woo! Okay. Um, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Go see some of all of the art that's happening. Ooh. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenov.